The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Your discretion is advised. Hi, everybody. Coming up, Nicole tells your fortune. Looking ahead. So get out your crystal and stay tuned with Mistress Nicole. All dressed in leather, you won't forget her. You want to love her and you won't let go. Who's that woman, crazy woman, Nicole? Well, it's one to grab money, two for a show. Some poor folks give Trump all their dough, but don't you. Fall for those gold fake shoes. Fake shoes, gold fake shoes. They're worth $12.99, so don't fall for those gold fake shoes. If he's really such a billionaire, why is he hawking cheap footwear? He even got booed when he came on to the appropriately named shoe con. And don't you fall for those gold fake shoes. They're worth $12.99, so don't fall for his gold fake shoes. Ivanka copied designs, so does Don. But the red soul's owned by Louboutin. A lawsuit may come any day, for which she'll make more suckers pay. So don't you fall for those gold fake shoes. Fake shoes, gold fake shoes. They're worth $12.99, so don't fall for his gold fake shoes. Well, it's one for the lawsuit, two for the grift. Three for delivery that won't be swift. His MAGA fans may end up pissed when they learn the shoes may not exist. So don't you fall for those gold fake shoes. Fake shoes, gold fake shoes. Not even his design, so don't fall for his gold fake shoes. All right, everybody. Ooh, ew, ew, gold fake shoes. Ew, ew, gold fake shoes. Ew, ew, gold fake shoes. As we uh, start a brand new week, Mondays are always difficult, aren't they? Um, boy, and and this week Monday came really quickly. I, I I could have used an extra day or three, but you know, nobody asked me. So you know, damn it, it's Monday, and there's news to be had. And because it's Monday, Jonathan Larson will be around in just a little while. With the fucking news. Sorry, that's why I run the disclaimer at the beginning of the show. Because, you know, I talk like a real person. And because we're online and not subject to FCC uh, oversight, I can say words like fuck. Uh, and they, they don't hurt me. No, they don't. Yes, this, t- this, this month, this February, this year has 29 days. Thursday is leap day. You know, thinking about it, shouldn't that just be an extra day when everybody, everything is closed or, well, see, I got to work those details out because if everything's closed, then you can't get anything done. But leap day should be an extra day when we just get to, you know, take care of the stuff that we don't get to during the week, right? An extra day waiting for the check. Um, No, and, and so... 
I don't know. I, 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 it, it, it's just a regular day. I do know some people who, um, like uh, there's a woman who uh, I guess is a year younger than me, um, and I, I see her on the, on the Facebook. And apparently, you know, she's a leap day baby. So although she she's a year younger than me, she's, she'll be 64. Well, she's 63. Um, and uh, so she'll be 64, I'm guessing, on February 29th. It will be her 16th birthday. That's just so weird. So Thursday, I don't, you know, we'll have Howie here Thursday, but maybe we'll need to do something extra. I don't know what. So... Um, so much going on and uh, the news will come with, with Jonathan Larson in just a few minutes. So stick around for him. But I do want to share with you something, you know, if, unless you're new to the show, you don't know. Um, hopefully the video's working. You guys all are still seeing it. Okay. Video keeps cutting out, you know, YouTube, hopefully it looks like it's, uh, on an even keel now. So hopefully it's working. You can always get the audio stream now right at the homepage at NicoleSandler.com. So if anything ever happens and the video is, you know, doing its usual YouTube dance, um, go to NicoleSandler.com and actually the audio should just start playing. There's a now a video player and an audio player right there on the main page that should bring you the live show when we are live weekdays uh, from 5 to 6 Eastern, 2 to 3 Pacific, whatever time it is where you are. Um, and uh, yeah, so anyway, that's just another way to listen. And of course, you know, you can always get the uh, the replay anytime. FCC must be the code word for YouTube. Not really. No. As soon as I said FCC, the video cut off. It should be back now. It looks like we're streaming okay. You know, they do these updates. And whenever they do an update to the software that I use to stream video something gets foobarred. So that's where we are now, trying to get them to fix it. Anyway, here we are. So, um, you know, unless you're new to the show, I just recently moved to Arizona. We left Florida, thank goodness, because it's getting crazier there by the minute, and moved to Arizona. Now, David, my husband, his son lives here, like his father, uh, Max, his son's name, went to Arizona State University and Max stayed here. David left after he finished school many, 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 many years ago. Um, but so, you know, it's nice uh, getting to know my stepson or bonus son, as they like to call it. Um, and so so uh, Max's significant other is Christine, lovely woman. I was going to say girl, but you no, know, she's a she's a woman. They're they're young adults. Actually, they're adults. Allison's a young adult. They're adults. Um, anyway, her mother is awesome, and she's you know she's a, a Democrat. She's a progressive Democrat, very involved in local politics. And it turns out, even though she lives in Tempe, and I live in Chandler, we're in the same legislative district, which is number twelve. So. She uh, she texted me on Saturday morning, or maybe it was Friday night, and said, um, would you like, there's an event tomorrow, it's a fundraiser, for it's our legislative district group, 
I'm still trying to figure out how, you know, all these things work, but um, getting the lay of the land. And um, she said, so we do this event and it's called, it's something like Decadence and Democrats. And so it's a, an event. It was at somebody's home, beautiful home in the Ahwatukee foothills. So right on the side of the mountain. Um, and there's desserts and champagne. But the important part was, she said, you'll come with me, you'll be my date. And um, Ruben Gallego is going to be there. Now, Ruben Gallego, if you're listening to the show, you likely know his name. Ruben Gallego, a Democrat from Arizona who is running for the U.S. Senate for the seat currently held by Kirsten Sinema, who still hasn't announced whether she's running again or not. But even if she is, she's no longer a Democrat. She's an independent, don't you know? Um, it doesn't look like she's running. Uh, Ruben de Gallego is doing well in the in the polls. Now, I've always been, I, li- I like uh, Ruben Gallego a lot. And, and I was glad when he threw his hat in the ring and decided to run. But I'd never met him. I've never interviewed him. So we get to the thing, and it's I'm with um, Joanne, who is uh, Christine's mother, and a friend of hers who drove uh, Sally. And so when we get there, you know, there are people checking and there's a table outside and, you know, doing the whole thing and everyone's saying hello and I'm meeting people left and right because there were a lot of people there and really nice people. Let, let me just, before I continue the story, in Florida, the few times I went to Democratic Party Club, Democratic Club meetings, they were always almost painful. Uh, The Florida Democratic Party is a mess. Uh, The Broward County Democrats were even worse than the state party. It was always just infighting in politics, not electoral politics, just, you know, uh, click politics. And I was so turned off by it. Oh, and then there's a little fact that the um, both on at the Broward County level and the state level, they didn't want to hear from the progressives. We were like the ugly stepchildren. And I thought, why am I wasting my time with this? It's just, it's frustrating. And so they'd have meetings, you know, COVID. They'd have meetings over Zoom. And I would, you know, the the, the final straw, the thing that made me say, all right, I'm done. I quit. I'm no more, no longer a precinct committee person, was they'd have these Zoom meetings but we weren't allowed, us rank and file people, we weren't allowed to speak. We were supposed to just be quiet and listen. That's not a meeting, that's a lecture. And they were not interested in input from the progressive faction of the party members. So I said, fuck it, I'm out of here. And, and it, it was just, it, it was not a welcoming atmosphere. What a difference it is here. Now, I'm in Maricopa County, um, which is a big county. Do you know that Maricopa County is like the second or third largest election district, I think district, probably using the wrong term, but uh, voting um, area in the country. I, I don't know what's bigger. I mean, I would think New York. Or L.A. County. But anyway, so anyway, it's up there, Maricopa County. But, um, you know, I was worried when we moved out here. I'm thinking it's going to be really Trumpy. And um, 
uh, I, I was really surprised. It was a very welcoming, very warm group, nice people, decadent desserts. Oh my goodness, there were desserts. So anyway, we get there. There's a table to check in at the front, and I noticed this woman, and I'm talking to Sally, who is um, uh, Joanne's friend who drove, um, and we were commenting. We saw this woman who was checking in, and she was wearing heels that were this high. We were trying to decide if they were five or six inches. I think they were six. Now, when I was younger, I could wear stuff like that. I couldn't do it anymore. So we're talking about her shoes, but then I look up. And I, and I said, oh, my God, that's Annette Tadeo. Um, Except then I saw her name tag and it said Carla or something. It's like, well, I guess that's not Annette Tadeo. But Annette Tadeo is, uh, you know, a, a, a Democrat from Florida. I first met her, God, probably 15 years ago or, a lo- or more. Um, she's, she's in the, she was in the state legislature, then became a state senator. She was Charlie Crist's running mate. She was running to be a lieutenant governor, not in this last gubernatorial election that he lost, but the time before that, that he ran and also lost. And then Annette decided to run for Congress again and, and lost. She shouldn't have lost because she's great. I mean, she's, she's really wonderful. So she's still in the Florida state Senate. Uh, But again, I saw this woman, I'm thinking, oh my God, that's Annette Tadeo. Okay, so it wasn't, right? We go inside, I'm drinking a little champagne, I'm eating some cookies and shortbread and and blueberry muffins and, oh my God, cheesecake. That was dinner. It was really not, not smart, but it was oh so good. Anyway, um, I see Ruben Gallego, so I make a beeline over to where he is so I can introduce myself and invite him on the show because, you know, that's what I do. And... Um, I'm standing there and it turns out as I walk up, I, he's talking to somebody and I hear him say, you're her doppelganger. You look just like her. I, I need to take a picture to send her. And of course, me being me, I, I said, Annette Tadeo, right? And Ruben Gallego turns around and looks at me and he like grabs my arm and says, yes. <laughs> so that's how I met Ruben Gallego. So anyway, I gave him my card. I introduced myself, just moved here from Florida. Uh, do you have a person? Can I talk to So I met his, you know, his, his uh, point person, the person who was with him at the event, and gave her my card. And hopefully, hopefully we'll get Ruben Gallego on the air one of these days. Um, but I also met other people. A few weeks ago, I told you about, I was sitting in the garage, you know, with the door open, because I do my artwork, I do my stuff, my, my, um, my ADD grounding exercises. Uh, so I was, I was in the garage, you know, stripping a, a table, a desk of its old paint and we're just, you know, in my own world. And all of a sudden I hear a voice and I look up cause I was sitting on the floor and I see this woman standing there with a young man and she was canvassing. She's running for Chandler school board. And we had a great conversation. I told you about this after the fact because she had given me her information on a piece of paper just like this. And um, I was going to, I was going to, I wanted to invite her on the show because she's a teacher. She decided to run for school board 
because the Turning Point USA crazies are headquartered here and they're trying to take over the school board. And she's like, we've got to, we, we have to stop it. So we had this great conversation and I meet the young man she's with who I originally thought was her son, but it turns out he's a political science major at ASU, a freshman who, who almost didn't go to school because he considered running for Congress. And I'm glad somebody talked some sense into him and said, no, go to school, learn what you can, and then you run for Congress. So anyway, I wanted to get the two of them on the air. So I had their information on this sheet of paper when I was doing my work in the garage. And I was wearing pants and I put the paper with their phone numbers on it in my pocket. Forgot about it. Came in the house, did laundry, took off my clothes, threw them in the washing machine, because that's how I do things. And about 20 minutes later, as the wash is going on, I'm like, oh, no, those phone numbers were in my pocket. And sure enough, by the time they came out of the dryer, it was just, you know, crumbs of paper. Um, so anyway, so, you know, you guys helped me figure out who she was because I, I, I knew her name started with a Z and one of you looked it up and gave me the name. It's yeah, that's her. Well, I, I talked to Ruben Gallego at the thing on, uh, on Saturday night and talking to people and I look up and I see her, the school board candidate. And sure, we reconnected and had a great time. So we'll, we'll be getting her on the show. But I also met the uh, Arizona State Senate Minority Leader, um, and I met, uh, you know, our, our assembly person. I mean, all kinds of people. And the difference between, you know, the, the going further into maggot territory, Florida, and the purple-leaning blue of Arizona, it was palpable. I mean, people were friendly. They were like normal people. I was so excited. So yeah, so I, uh, so I, I feel, I feel good about that. Um, uh, in that I, I, you know, in Florida, like I'd be, I, the only time I went to those meetings is if someone invited me to speak or something the, the, because they were deadly and boring. These people, they do creative things and they are bound and determined not to let the maggots win. So I'll get some of them on the air so you can meet the uh, the Arizona Democrats who are a whole lot better than the Florida. Sorry, Florida Democrats. I know you're out there, but, you know, you know, you know what happened. Um, I have a good news story to share with you. Uh, I think there's a video. Uh, let me share this because uh, before before Jonathan gets here with the fucking news, which will will undoubtedly at least partially be kind of depressing, um, I got to share this. Uh, hold on, this you know this is when I do everything myself and I get a little uh, backed up here. Not not in that manner, but um, got to find the videos. I should just start, you know keep just pulling the audio clips. But this one, I wanted you to see this woman because she's so cute. So um, there's a, 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 a medical school, the Einstein School of Medicine. You know what? Let me do this because I do so much bad news. Where's my good news? My, here's my good news sounder. So here, I'm going to share some good news with you. Tell me something good. 
So you're ready for some good news? Check out this woman. I'm happy to share with you that starting in August this year, the Albert Einstein College of Medicine will be tuition free. Wow. Okay. So I know it was a lot just for that little clip. But that woman, and, and the, the applause goes on as the kids that are in that lecture hall realize this woman, her name is Dr. Ruth Gottesman. Now, her late, she was a former professor there at the Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx, the Bronx, New York. Um, her late husband was an early investor with Warren Buffett. And so, you know, got some money. So she was announcing, Dr. Ruth Gottesman announced that the Einstein College of medicine in the Bronx is now tuition free thanks to a billion dollar gift she made to the school. Again, her late husband was an early investor with Warren Buffett. She made it a condition of the gift that the college not change its name. So it will remain the Einstein College of Medicine. And, um, Let's see, that's an unusual requirement in a world where much smaller gifts often come with the requirement that colleges be renamed. So she didn't want it to be the Gottsman's uh, School of Medicine. No, it's the Einstein College of Medicine. Um, Most students at Einstein graduate with $200,000 in debt. They will now be free of that burden. So I thought, you know, with all this bad news... I should share the good news. So um, Ruth Gottesman, a billion dollars to the Einstein College of Medicine. You heard the reaction of all those students there, um, knowing that they will be, uh, uh, the rest of their education will be tuition free, which is is pretty damn cool. See, because that's the only really good news I could share with you today. The rest of it is kind of, kind of crazy. Um uh, but there's a lot going on. So uh, you know what? Let's wait no longer because I see he's here. So uh, without any further ado, we'll do this. It's time for the fucking news from NicoleSandler.com. And Jonathan Larson at the fucking news.substack.com. He said a very bad word. Oh, the language on you. You're a fucking newsman. The fucking, the fucking news. I <laughs> see. I like the laugh at the. It's it, it's not complete until you get the <laughs> at the end. Jonathan, so many things in life. <laughs> of course, you gotta wait for the laugh. Yeah, always. Right. Always. Pause for laugh, as they say. <laughs> always hold for. And the best is, you know, someone like Donald Trump. Trump would read the teleprompter and say, "Wait for the laugh." Right, right. What was it? That Jeb Bush moment where you can clap now. Yeah, please clap. <laughs> Please, please clap. Please clap. Yes. Not even letting them know it's an option, imploring them to do it. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's hard. Mondays are difficult. It's nice that you're here on Monday because it makes my job a little easier. Um, Oh, good. Right. Because uh, Mondays are hard. As I was telling you over text yesterday, 
I try, and this is a new, this is a fairly new thing. You said it was healthy. I told you that I really try to completely tune out the news on the weekends. Because I'll tell you something, doing this job, as you probably well know, takes a toll on you. And when all you're dealing with is the news constantly, it's like there's only so much a person can take and you got to say stop. So, um, you know, if we turn on music more, I play with art. I do, I go in the garage and I make stupid projects that one day I should try to sell because I got stuff everywhere. But do anything to take my mind off the news because it's it's quite depressing. And sometimes what you hear is like, did I really hear that? And do you watch the Sunday shows? I watch nothing. <laughs> <laughs> See, you sound like me. I I I, I, and I consume a lot of news, but I, I watch. I don't. There's nothing I watch regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, like the only lengthy watching I will do is if I hear about something interesting and I'm curious about the context, mm-hmm. then I'll try to track down the the fuller clip because, you know, I would argue more than half the time in my experience, I'm like, oh, that's what was actually happening there. Right. Not the thing in the clip that's making the rounds. Right. Oh, yes. Because sometimes like the news aggregator sites will pull these clips and oftentimes you'll hear the little clips and then you'll hear the larger context. And you go, oh, that's what they were talking about. Although this week, you know, this weekend were the Republican um, uh, primaries in South Carolina, which we knew what was going to happen. We knew Trump was going to win. But Nikki Haley turned in a respectable 40%. And Donald Trump is, you know, I won by 20 points. Well, yeah, you did. However, you're, you're, for all intents and purposes, you're the incumbent and and 40 percent of the voters in South Carolina voted against you. They don't want you. So, you know, it's all in the spin. And unfortunately, I actually did. I, I, I tuned into Meet the Press for a few. See, I make these rules and then I break them. But I did. <laughs> I have not watched Meet the Press since uh, Kristen Welker sinned. since Kristen Welker <laughs> took over. But I keep hearing how horrible she is. And I saw she was having Gavin Newsom on, and I thought, all right, I'm going to watch this. It it reaffirmed everything I thought. It was awful, it, you know. And I wonder, do I blame her? Or do I blame her bosses who supply the script? Um, You worked in TV news. For those who don't know, Jonathan worked at CNN. You helped launch uh, Anderson Cooper's show. You you were at MSNBC where you worked on uh, Countdown with Keith Olbermann and launched Up with Chris Hayes, which was the the really good weekend morning show. Um, You worked with Mark Marin on Morning Sedition at Air America Radio, which was fucking awesome. Um, from someone who worked morning radio for many, many years, that was just a brilliant show. So, you know, is Chris, is it, is it Kristen Walker or Kirsten Moore? I don't even know what these, I think it's, uh, Kristen Walker. Welker. I believe so. Yeah. Yes. So does she write her questions or does somebody write them for her? Like her slanted, all her shit about Joe Biden being too old. Is that her or is that, you know, her producers and bosses speaking? There's really no way to know from the outside. Um, it's certainly not um, unusual for the producers to sort of say, this is what you're going to be doing. She also hasn't been in that 
roll super long, nope. I believe. No. And so um, sometimes what happens is usually, especially with a prestige flagship show like that, I would say not too long after getting in the chair, do you start to feel a real sense of ownership about that and say, no, 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 I won't be asking your questions. I'm the face of this show. Right. I was hired not just for the the tone of my voice, but for my editorial judgment. And they'll usually start to assert themselves, which the most likely scenario, right, is that it's a combination of, of the two. Right. right. In theory, they're supposed to be working together. So in the most likely scenario, they all talk about it beforehand. And you're not going to force her to do a segment that she has no, no interest in. Right? That's right. That, that just doesn't make sense. You're not going to get good content or programming or journalism out of that. So most likely it's a it's a mix. It's a combination of, you know, what do we want to talk about? What well, we got to talk about the age thing. And then, she, you know, she might say this is all speculation. She might say, well, why don't you guys work up some questions? She might take a look at the questions, make some revisions you know, ad lib some stuff on the fly. So most likely it's a little bit of a soup, but it's very unlikely that she was dragged unwilling into that right. conversation. Right. No, that seems to be, you know, her. She's she's um, what they like to call moderate. Um, you know, she's she's up the middle. She's tra- she's being the journalist. I do know that I do know some journalists who uh, remain objective. It's it's I think it's a dying breed because um I think journalists have always had their opinions, but for so long, they they never shared it because news was supposed to be news. There's very little just straight news anymore. Everybody's got a, a slant or an opinion or um, a point of view. So I'm, I'm trying not to say anything because <laughs> I have many, many thoughts on, on exactly this issue. The short version, I would say, is just that I don't believe objectivity is even conceptually possible. Like, I don't know what that would look like. And I do think that we had pretty, I mean, if you want to go back to the early days of American print media, we had a very subjective press, right? Right. They were basically out there campaigning pretty openly for their, you know, the local ward bosses and stuff like that. So uh, to, to me, it's less about objectivity than it is about impartiality. And the important thing, I, I think, is less like the objectivity that uh, so many people focus on, which is, you know, did X actually happen, right? And more on the the bigger question of does Y actually matter, right? And and so I would argue that that we get a lot of journalism that is premised on someone's subjective notion that it matters what Gavin Newsom has to say about Biden's age on this day at this time, right? So you could have a perfectly objective conversation or sharing of facts in that interview, but the decision to talk about that is an inherently subjective one, mm-hmm. right? We, we're finding out that that uh, SNAP, the SNAP program may have a shortfall of 80,000 people, uh, depending, even if they do come up with, even if they, they agree to continue government spending at current levels, it needs to go up more, right? I would argue <laughs> that subjectively, whether or not 80,000 families are going to be able to have their full nutritional complement yep. in the coming year might be more important than not not necessarily Biden's age, even just yes. Gavin Newsom's thoughts about it at that moment. Sorry. Yes. No, that I mean, you're exactly right. This goes to the this the, the thing that we've been talking about for weeks, the horse race uh, mentality under which 
these so-called news organizations uh, cover elections. They don't talk about the issues. I, you know, th- th- there's going to be another shutdown, I think, on Friday if they don't do something. And, oh, the House just came back from two weeks off? How do you I think they're back Wednesday, actually? <laughs> yeah, I think I could have that wrong. But yeah, OK, and part one of the shutdown is this Friday. This and then Friday part two is a week from Friday. Right. Yeah. So yeah. what that should be top of mind. Now, I know Joe Biden is, you know, uh, calling a meeting, I think, tomorrow. And then on Thursday, ooh, he's going to the border. Um, you know, I, I, it, yeah. I have this I have this theory. Um, I, I, I try to put everything into a sound bite, but it's we live in an opposite world. Everything you thought you knew, you never knew it all. Sideways is straight ahead. Facts no longer matter. Reality is now fiction. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, opposite world. It's opposite world. So, so the for years the last three years at least, uh, the Republicans have been screaming, we've got a crisis at the southern border. We need to do something. It's the most important thing. Caravans are coming. Oh, and by the way, did you know that Trump came up with that word? The caravans. That was another name I came up with. I come up with good names. Long-time politicians. He came up with caravan. Okay. Yes. Good to know. Uh, There's a song by Van Morrison from you know, the seventies called caravan, turn it up mm-hmm. a little bit on higher radio, but who knew John, Donald Trump came up with that. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. They, um, so they, they've been screaming about the border. Joe Biden actually talks to them and negotiates. So they come up with a package that is the strictest border security legislation that's been introduced as long as I can remember. It's what they've been clamoring for. And it was there was bipartisan support until that guy who coined the term caravan, apparently, called people and said, no, no, we don't want to vote for that. We want to we want immigration to to be a big issue on the uh, the election. So we want it to be to remain chaotic. So they had a deal they could have passed. But the speaker of the House, Mr. Johnson, wouldn't even bring it up for a vote. Um, so it had no chance of passing because they wouldn't vote on it. And then they, they impeached the secretary of Homeland Security. We'll, we'll put aside for the day for a moment, uh, why we have a secretary of Homeland Security, but you know, Alejandro Mayorkas. Now they're, they're, they impeached him ostensibly because there's been no action on the border. Um, I, I'm going to play one quick clip because I really love Jamie Raskin. And after they, the, the first uh, attempt at the impeachment of Mayorkas failed drama, um, but then they brought it back as soon as Steve Scalise was back there and he could vote and cast the, the, the tie-breaking vote. Um, and Jamie Raskin put it so perfectly. Gentleman from Maryland is recognized. Thank you, Madam Speaker, Mr. Chairman. We're here because the madcap wild goose chase to impeach Joe Biden has produced no wild geese. 
Even Fox News is lampooning the fact that their own expert witnesses repeatedly say President Biden did nothing wrong and there are no grounds for impeachment. More than a dozen GOP members in Biden majority districts don't want to go anywhere near that fantasy production. So the Trump-Putin mega faction headed up by the distinguished gentlelady from Georgia has been given this worthless trinket of a consolation prize, the opportunity to bring a slapstick impeachment drive against a cabinet member of unimpeachment impeachable integrity who has obviously committed no treason, no bribery, no high crimes, no misdemeanors, nothing indictable or even indictable, if you prefer. <laughs> even indictable, if you prefer, because that's how yeah. Marge uh, says. But you've been you've been covering this impeachment of of Mayorkas. Um, was there any why I, they, they they could have at least alleviated some of the problem at the border had they passed this legislation. Got nothing to do with Mayorkas. So I do want to I do want to tease that I've I've got some upcoming reporting that I, I want I'll give you a little okay. teaser of later on. But I do think that there's a couple things I would say here about this. Uh, one is they actually I would argue do have something on Mayorkas. Do they? They okay. have they I think I okay. think they do. The problem is that those same things apply to all cabinet secretaries in perpetuity, right? Which is, they say he did not enforce the law to the fullest. Okay. Which is accurate <laughs> for two reasons. One, because you cannot, because we do not live in a platonic ideal cave, but also because the courts have established that, that administrations have the legal right to prioritize enforcement and prosecutions. It's it, like in, in criminal courts, it's called prosecutorial discretion, right? You mm -hmm. can decide whether or not to prosecute someone. That doesn't mean that if you choose not to, that you're now a criminal, right? The same thing was true with the Department of Homeland Sick uh, <laughs> uh, Security. Yes. They did not do everything in their power to detain and put in custody every single person that they came in contact with who didn't uh, you know, have their papers, please, uh, on them at that moment. They did not do that. So by the facts, they are technically correct that he that he violated the law requiring him to do that. But it's it's they're they're trying to impose this new norm by which any <laughs> secretary ever would be impeached. And the other the other complaint about him, also true. <laughs> they said that he testified falsely before Congress. How? Because he said the border is secure. It's not secure. Never been secure, never will be secure. Right. It's a border. People <laughs> walk, they, they swim, they do all kinds of things. You know, Greg Abbott's border is not secure, right? right? So basically he, he testified, I'm doing a good job. It's secure in the sense that we don't have any armies invading over it or <laughs> caravans even, right? So it's, they're factually correct about what they say he did, but the idea that that's impeachable is a, bizarre new notion and that's that's where i want to get to uh my little teaser okay um and if i if you don't mind a little plug Please. uh we uh, we will be making this i will be uh releasing these stories it's probably going to be more than one at the fucking news.substack.com so if people want to make sure they don't miss them i hope you'll go uh check check it out and sign up but but the teaser version of it is i did uh sort of a deep dive not on who are the members of the committee that did this impeachment, but who's mm -hmm. the staff? Who are the actual staff members running this impeachment? 
And um, uh, I'll, I'll drop a one-word tease and then okay. give a little thematic tease. The one-word tease is Benghazi, oh, <laughs> which I hope will whet everyone's <laughs> appetites. Um, but but the bigger tease is that this sort of arose in conversations that I've been having with some Hill sources and some other people about the nature of congressional staffers on the GOP side. And for decades, right, even, even you know, through the Trump years, there have been sort of reliable norms. Uh, you have people in there who are either up and comers or they're, they're, they fall in the silo of they are experts or at least, you know, schooled in their areas of expertise, po certain policies, and or they know how the house works, mm -hmm. right? So they might not be policy experts, but they know which subcommittee to go to, to whatever, right? right? They know all the stuff that I clearly don't know. And um, what I'm finding, and I, I can't make this a sweeping broad statement, but, but anecdotally so far, I'm finding um, kind of a low level quiet influx and I am going to, you know, some of this will be in my reporting. That's the fucking news.substack.com. Um, but also, I, I'm planning on doing, looking at it further down the road as well. But the idea is that some of these folks are coming from places that are uh, explicitly about shaping their thinking, not educating them on issues, not educating them on legislation, but but specifically and openly saying. We want to teach you how to think about certain things, whether it's theocratic, mm -hmm. whether it's conservative, and and we're there's there's an emerging pipeline from these institutions that's getting people into some very real, impactful. Sorry to use a word I hate. Positions uh, on on the Hill on important committees, and and I don't think. I haven't seen a lot of other people doing this this kind of work, um, and it's it's not exactly my specialty or anything. But I'm hopefully learning along the way. But I think we're going to see more and more of the consequences of this. Right? We're going to be able to track more and more of the outcomes that we see on the hill. Oh, they they had a very different staff than they would have a generation ago. So. Um, okay, I, I, so this brings up something yeah. that, um, and now I, I I can't remember the name. I think it's like the Institute or something like that. Indoctrination is what you're talking about here, I believe. And while the, this goes to my opposite world theory, they're always accusing the, Demo the Democrats of trying to indoctrinate our young people. No, that's what they do. And from... Turning Point USA, which is headquartered here in the Phoenix area That's where right. I live. Um, believe me, I'm getting a big education about what they're doing. I met somebody the other night who's running for school board because oh they're trying to stack Turning Point, uh, the school boards in the area with Turning Point members because they grow them here. Um, I did an interview uh, some months ago with somebody from... Damn it! I didn't know we were going to talk about. It. I'm I'm drawing a blank. It's the um, it's the Howard Zinn School of you know education where they you know it's all about teaching mm -hmm. kids you know real history. Go figure. Yeah, yeah. In this day the and age, history. right? When when the Republicans again are are rewriting the history books, they're taking out references to slavery and and Martin Luther King and and what really happened. Um, it, it, they're the ones who are trying to indoctrinate the youth. 
Prager U. Have you seen any of those videos? Oh, my God. And yeah. here in Phoenix, they just um, approved Prager U videos for use in the public schools. It's indoctrination there. And there's this group. I think it's the Institute. It, it's they go hand in hand with Turning Point where they they get the kids at a very young age and they teach them about white nationalism and this is a Christian country and all this bullshit that they're trying to rewrite the history books to... If, if I may correct yes, you there, please. I, I would suggest that they don't teach them about white nationalism. But, they teach them white nationalism. They te- <laughs> no about. You're right, not about. No about. They teach them. They're <laughs> raising them in that, um, that, that community, that mindset this is what these kids know to the point where you know last weekend there are nazis marching in in nashville now there was an there were nazis at cpac and cpac denied it and some reporters from nbc news said you need video proof here's your video proof the, the, and they're, you know, making it to the, so these kids believe that that's OK. They don't know the history. Um, that's what's happening. And it sounds to me that that's what you're talking about. They're indoctrinating them really young to this really fucked up mindset. And now we have these right wing maggot kids growing into adults and now going to work as staffers on Capitol Hill and and take over school boards in every town USA. It's it's pretty fascinating because I was I was going to try to help you with the name of that uh, organization you're thinking of, and it almost doesn't matter. No yeah, offense, because, it doesn't because there's right. a constellation of these organizations, and what's what's kind of fascinating about it is they all occupy subtly different places in the food chain, right? So the, the organizations I'm talking about that that hold retreats and such for congressional staffers, mm-hmm. they they sort of frame their discussions. In a, in a like more intellectualist rather than like a hardcore nationalist uh, framework, right? They mm-hmm. they ostensibly want to bring in Democrats, right? So so you have these the uh, broad spectrum, right? And if they if it if they respond well to the subtle thing, then you can shift them over to the less subtle thing, right? right? And even if they don't respond well to the subtle thing, maybe at least they're a little bit more receptive to it next time. But but one thing I'm finding that is a common element of all this, which is absolutely under scrutinized, both politically and journalistically, and certainly by law enforcement or any other investigative, investigative mechanisms, is normally, right, you would expect someone to say, what gives me the right to indoctrinate someone, right? I have my beliefs, they have their beliefs. Who says that I'm in a position morally to get these people to believe what I believe? And the answer, there is an answer, and the answer is Jesus. And you hear... <laughs> I'm you sorry, don't have I to scratch. No, the, no but, yeah, the, you don't have to scratch very deeply no. under these, these uh, political ideologies to find theocracy beneath the surface and sometimes not not beneath the surface at all. Um, and, you know, there, there's definitely an element of that in the reporting that I'm going to be uh, dropping uh, today, tomorrow cool. at, at the fucking news. Um, there's there's absolutely an element to that. And, and they will say you will find them saying things like, 
Um, I believe in a higher authority. And then they'll clarify for you in case there's any misconception. By higher, I mean higher than government. Of course, the, to me, the irony is you swore to that higher power to uphold the Constitution. <laughs> yes, right. But once they, once, they, once they think, believe, feel really deeply in their heart that they are empowered by Jesus and his dad, um, then, then what, what, you know, pissant government could possibly have jurisdiction over that. And so they have absolutely free reign to indoctrinate, to, to subvert norms, to, to, to pull dirty tricks on people. Right. I mean, what, you know, what's a little ballot box, you know, election fraud or whatever, if that's going to let an agent of Satan, you know, into into office as opposed to an agent of Jesus. Right. So right. there's a certain logic to it. I mean, I'm always mystified by religious people who don't inject religion into everything. Like if you believe in God and you believe in Jesus, like to me, it's a little bit of a mystery. Why wouldn't you want to get that perfect omniscient shit into everything right. you do? Well, uh, they do, except, you know, when it's do as I say not as I do, because most of the, 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 the I hate to use the word, but the, the real pervs out there, the ones who have do really, you know, like the, 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 the turning point, not turning point, the uh, moms for Liberty people, yeah, one yeah. of the founders in Florida, um, she and her husband, who was like the, 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 the head of the Republican uh, party GOP of Florida, official, yeah. right. Um, were having these threesomes and these, you know, crazy sex shit and the, and they're preaching to our kids, you know, you can't have David, you know, no David, the, the kid's book where he's running down the street with his bare butt exposed. They want to put shorts on him. So you don't say there it's, it's, it's incredible. And then I, I, the Prager you, I'm hung up on this. I'm sorry, but this, I, I, I can't find much of it, but this is one clip I was able to find. Slavery is as old as time and has taken place in every corner of the world, even amongst the people I just left. Being taken as a slave is better than being killed, no? Before you judge, you must ask yourself, what did the culture and society of the time oh treat as no big deal? Oh, my God. Oh, my, that's the only clip I, I have. But I've spoken to many people who've seen more. And that's, you know, the least of it. This they've approved for in school use here in the Phoenix area. So, uh, you know, I don't want to hear about indoctrination. Now, you wrote when we first started doing this thing, you had been writing about the National Prayer Breakfast, which it blows my mind that it's still happening. And this year, for the first time, they moved it into Statuary Hall in the Capitol that, 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 that it doesn't belong there. So you, there's, this is a big week. Thursday is Leap Day, of course. Tomorrow, Joe Biden's convine, uh, convening a meeting of all the leaders to try to fend off a government shutdown. But Wednesday, February 28th, you say is the rapture. <laughs> What's happening Wednesday? That's right. I mentioned, I can, can I make a quick remark about please. the uh, Florida threesomes, yes, if I may? please. Uh, first of all, I, I don't I don't engage in kink shaming. If everyone's <laughs> no, con, uh, whatever you do that. is fine, but don't tell me I can't do course, it. If you're going to be doing it, that's my that's the hypocrisy. But what I I get it, but and I I totally hear you. But what I what I liked about that was it's nice to see Republicans finally embracing um, collective action. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? So much for individualism. Let's yes. get more people in there here. You go. It takes a village, right? It does take um, a village. <laughs> so Wednesday is the rapture. Uh, yeah, that's what I said in, in the fucking news yes, this morning. Yes, um, and what I mean by that is uh, about a month or so ago, after I revealed um, that the family, the group that created the National Prayer Breakfast, mm-hmm. they paid to send uh, Congressman Wal- Mark Wahlberg to address Uganda's National Prayer Breakfast, where he told that country, stand firm, in the face of international opposition to their new anti-homosexuality law, which includes the death penalty for aggravated homosexuality. So um, I think, so Mark Pocan of of Wisconsin, he's the chair of the Congressional Equality Caucus. And last month he wrote to the family and he said, in light of all this, I'm paraphrasing, uh, in light of all this, I want to know specific details about your contacts and funding regarding Uganda and the people uh, involved in all of this in Uganda. But and I almost missed this at first when I saw the letter that he wrote to the family, much potentially much bigger than that. He made a similar request for information about the family's operations around the world. Good. Like, I want to know every country where you're spending money. I want to know every country where you have stood up and are working with prayer breakfasts. Mm -hmm. And he gave them a deadline. He said, I would like a response by February 28th. And, and I think what's interesting about that to me is I, I, I don't expect the family to respond. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll be very surprised and pleasantly, I should add, if, if they do respond. But to me, what's so interesting about this is if I'm poking, there's no way I would think I'm assuming that you put out a letter like that without a plan B, without knowing exactly what the next step is. And it's very hard for me to imagine a plan B that doesn't involve something more adversarial, right? It might be a bit more long-term, like maybe he decides, you know what, I'm gonna try to hold hearings or I'm going to make, I don't I, I don't even wanna speculate, but but in theory, he can, he's in the minority yes, right now well, in the house. that's the problem, right. For now. But that that doesn't mean that he's entirely without leverage, and it doesn't mean that he can't raise a stink within the House about the the uh, National Prayer Breakfast and mm-hmm. its its new spinoff that did the uh, the event you mentioned in Statuary Hall, which is ostensibly separate, the National Prayer Breakfast Foundation, which is almost all uh, you know veterans of the original operation, and and I should note again. I've failed to live up to their pledges last year to reveal donors and and other information about about how this event is being put on now inside the heart of the Capitol, as you mentioned. Wait, so, so now there are, there are in essence two main yeah. national prayer breasts. So that's that's what they did. They just doubled it in this kind of sort of. Well, that's exactly right, and and it's it's not only two; it's also all there the are all of these splinter offshoot events, some of which are done by you know organizations that are connect are tenuous only tenuously connected but you also have state and city prayer breakfasts around the country it really has metastasized both within the US and and elsewhere and in any number of those locales by the way i should add it's quite plausible that those are entirely benign events leaving aside legitimate concerns about separation of church and state clearly um, but it, they, it's quite plausible that they're not involved in this sort of like subtle 
ministry to power that the family kind of pioneered, which is let's get close to people and make sure they're with Jesus in whatever way they they like, right? So um, Museveni, the president of Uganda, he actually said something kind of amazing, which at, at the same event that Wahlberg spoke, which I didn't talk about in the piece, but he he said that he split with, I forget the name of the organization, very early on in the his rebellion, you know, the, the fighting there, because they said they embraced a vision of Christianity that was all about turning the other cheek. And he said, well, remember, remember Jesus chasing the moneylenders out of the temple? I'm more like that guy. So he basically just, you know, did choose your own Jesus and went with the one that's okay with violence, which which uh. I would argue is kind of like the problem with theocracy generally is it's not subject to anyone's adjudication as to whether right. or not you can really do that. But I will say one more thing, and then I will shut up, is that I think the left has a big problem in saying, no, that's not real Christianity. First of all, have you heard of the Crusades? Like, right. There's a lot more precedent for that brand of Christianity as being genuine. But also, that's a slur to everyone non-Christian. Right. right. The right. implication there is that, well, that's a bad thing. And therefore, it's got to be one of those non-Christian people. Uh, yeah. Well, people. the whole, you know, when you, you qualify anything having to do with organized religion, because so much shit happens under wars are all fought under, you know, the flag of religion. I mean, it's it's the source of all be spiritual, worship, whatever you want to wor- believe, whatever you want to believe. But don't push your beliefs onto me. And that's the problem is when they try, you know, you had Trump say, you know, uh, in in uh, basically um, putting forth the idea that there's a national religion and saying, no, we're going to get those people out of here. They don't like our religion. We don't want them here. What the fuck? What is our religion? So, that, you know, that's the problem. It goes to the indoctrination and whether it's the family or Turning Point USA or the Institute, which is what I think it's called. They're teaching these kids at a very, very early age. You know, it's the Kyle Rittenhouse school of insanity that it's OK to take. a Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll take you across state lines, my teenage son, with the gun that I bought you so you could play peacekeeper and kill somebody. Um, if Jesus is on your side, right? What, right. What, what does it even mean to be wrong? You know, there is no wrong anymore right. once Jesus is on your side. And what does it mean to someone like me who's an atheist? It's like, no. Uh, and I keep seeing, you know, well, it means you have the freedom to worship as you please. And I have to add in or not, you know, yeah. or not. So, right. But know. also I would say, you don't have the freedom to worship as you please. No, you, don't. you have the freedom to worship without fear of legal retribution. Worship as you please doesn't give you license to break the law. You are subject to the same laws. The the when that when people talk about the freedom of religion, what that's supposed to mean is that you won't be punished for believing shit and doing legal shit. It doesn't mean you won't be punished for doing stuff that is illegal for everyone who doesn't believe in your magic person. Right. You know, and you could take it however you want. Look, I'm an ordained minister on the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. I am an ordained Pastafarian. Absolutely. And so, (laughs) but I can say in my religion, we celebrate the transgender people. Well, you know what? In Florida... 
they are trying they're they're telling me that my religion is not okay because there's they're putting laws they're pa- the legislature's in session now and the laws that they're passing are horrific i've got a dear friend who's a trans woman who now can't have her driver's license with her right. name they, they, everything's got to be by the your sex at birth well fuck you don't you're, you're not going to look under my skirt but they want to and they think that they have the right to in what world your Jesus would allow that? Uh, somehow I don't think so. I was, you know, John Fugelsang is an old friend, and he's like, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. You, you're making this, you're putting your beliefs onto him. And I've often I've had, joked. I've, I've had this fight with John. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> because, well, look, he does say all the old laws stand, and that includes legitimately anti-LGBTQ stuff, does right? It? I, I don't know. <laughs> Leviticus, right? Oh, see, You're not allowed to lie down with another, uh, you know. Um, okay. My, my religious training, just so you know, <laughs> the listeners know this already. My religious education came from watching the Ten Commandments right, around right. Easter time on television. Right. That's right. how I know the stories. I came from a very non-religious family. We're Jewish. I always, I'm yeah, Jewish I by say, tradition. I, I have no obligation to know this stuff. To argue in order to argue against it, I don't need to know the rules of Dungeons and Dragons to know that it's made up. Right. Right. Exactly. But but when when that's kind of my problem with John's approach to this, right? He he says, "Look, the book actually says this," and my position is one. Well, it also says the thing they say say it says. But also, if we're arguing about what the old book says. That's a problem. Right. Who cares? Right? It's, right. it's supposed to be off the shelf entirely when it comes to figuring out what are we supposed to do? And if we're arguing about the old book, that's a real problem, I think. So that's that's kind of my my take on John's position. I, I hear. Much I, as just, I love it. I love so the, the hypocrisy. You know, one of my guilty pleasures, I'm honest, I've watched General Hospital since I was a kid. Um, so I record it. It's it's on the I watched TVR. When I was a kid. Okay, so I still watch it. It's an escape. I'm done with my day. Right. Right. When, I, when everything's done, I'll sit down right. and watch, and I laugh because it's right. funny. It's yeah. so campy. It's so over the top. It's an escape yeah. from reality. But they have now. They have. Uh, you know, uh, they're venturing into you know different territory for some of the old biddies who've been watching it for sixty years. Mm-hmm. And. Um, so last week they had a, a scene, a love scene, a sex oh scene between two women. These women have oh started boy. a relationship. So there's Christina, who's Sonny's daughter, the gangster, his daughter, and Blaze, the new rock star, who her family is very religious and they don't know that she's gay. But they're right. starting this re- and they finally they had the scene in the bed when they're kissing. And, and there's a there's a Facebook group and I'm watching these people they freaking out. Oh yeah. my God! I can't. God does not like this. This is not okay. <laughs> and I see the other people yelling at them. It's a soap opera. Get over right. it. You're okay Only with adultery and murder? Being... They were like, "Ooh, right. fun." <laughs> adultery and murder is fine, but two women lying in bed together—that's right. it. Can't making each other happy. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's Wrong happiness. World. I know. You're not allowed to do that. Who? Why? Right. What? Right. That's just that's obscene. Right. To who? You know, know, um, (laughs) C.S. Lewis, the Mm -hmm. Chronicles of Narnia guy? Sure. So he was a very well-known Christian apologist, and he wrote this book called Mere Christianity, 
which which I agree with, which is his point is Christian doesn't equal moral. Right. Christian just Thank believes you. it merely means that you believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. That doesn't automatically make you a good person. No. Right. You sin. You screw up all the time. Right. Christianity is not like a magic get out of sin free card. Right. It just means that's your religion, period, full stop. But we even have we have people like Democrats uh, you know, have internalized this stuff oh, as yes. opposed to internalizing a secular mindset and a secular approach, not just to governance, but also to politics. It's really important. Right. And, and when you have people throw out, well, of course, you know, of course I trust him. He's a good Christian. Mm-hmm. Fuck. I'm an atheist mm-hmm. Jew and I'm more Christian than most of these people because I actually believe. See, you're doing do, it though. But, but no, in terms of I believe in treating others the way I want them to treat me. I believe in, you know, in, in taking care of the the the, but the that's least not among Christianity. us. No, but but I know I'm using a shorthand. I'm more <laughs> exactly. Christ-like exactly. than these Christians. So I'll tell you Christians. the other the other one that gets me, and you see this all the time. But I only just kind of like figured this out. Mike Johnson, you know what they say about the him almost always? They refer to him as a devout Christian. Oh, and please. I realized that that the media shorthand for believes extremist positions, the it's things devout. that would be considered <laughs> radical and you know, borderline insane, if you didn't have the magic reason for it, right? That's considered being devout as opposed to you know, say Nancy Pelosi, who for the most part does not impose, you know, her religious beliefs. Why doesn't anyone refer to her as devout? And also, Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a Catholic. He's he's a guy who goes to church every Sunday. But they talk about Donald Trump as this uh, the second coming and God sent him. Joe Biden's the actual religious guy here. You're, you're opposite world. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, there's there's actually something kind of refreshing, I find, in the evangelicals who sort of go, yeah, but what are you going to do? <laughs> right? there's, there's something sort of like appreciably tactical and, dog, uh, and non-dogmatic about that. Like, this is the guy who apparently can get stuff done. But the, the, it, you reminded me, there's there was a point I wanted to make about the, the South Carolina primary. Uh-huh. And I think the big takeaway, the big pundit takeaway from South Carolina was, and this is not totally going away from religion, the big takeaway was, wow, Trump lost 40% of the vote. He can't win. And I and that was certainly yeah. my my takeaway as well. But I was thinking about it afterwards. And maybe the bigger takeaway is maybe no one can win of the Republicans. Yeah. Right? Maybe these two factions are so fundamentally irreconcilable mm-hmm. in a way that hasn't been the case before. And someone, someone a while ago made the really good point, I wish I could credit them, that if Haley won the nomination, she might do worse than Trump, if only because she would have Trump still hating on her. her. Right. Not just that. I mean, maybe running as a write-in. Right. Like, who knows what kind Sabotage of stuff he would pull. Just like he said, if you're, if you give her money, you, you can't give to me. You're not maggot. Stop. Yeah, yeah. but I, do, I think it. that I think that that you know the the punditocracy is so focused on Trump can't win that maybe they're m- missing the bigger picture of of has the Republican Party become just a minority, a permanently minority party because it's two factions can never 
are, are so fundamentally at odds with each other. I hope so. And what does that look like? <laughs> right. I hope so. Let's just hope. Again, I, I, I believe Joe Biden will win if Donald Trump is the nominee. It, it, it's a shoo-in. But I don't I didn't say that because no one can get complacent. We all need to get out and vote. Don't take anything for granted. After all, we know what happened in Florida in 2000. So, you know, it, it, everything is on the line here. And um, yeah, and we plug away. Jonathan Larson, find him at thefuckingnews.substack.com. Go subscribe. You can do the free thing, but you can also pay and support Jonathan's work because that's how we roll around here. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. Always a pleasure. And uh, Thank you, Nicole. Uh, enjoy your extra day. It's so cool. We get an extra day this week to just do whatever you want. What are you talking about? Leap day. It's le- oh, Thursday. Right. Yeah. Is yeah, yeah, February yeah, yeah. 29th. Shouldn't it be that's just true. an extra day that everybody gets an extra day to just... A Buck day off. off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah. an extra day. It comes once every four years. Shouldn't it right. be like a world party? Yeah. You know, that's I, I I think we get ripped off by that. It's just like it's Thursday. It's another day. Yeah. We gotta work on February 29th. I'll, I'll bitch about it all week. All right. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Larson, I'll see you. I'll see you uh next week. Thank you so much. And uh, everyone's going to go over to the thefuckingnews.substack.com and subscribe right now. Thank All right. you. Thank you. Bye. Um, tomorrow, let me tell you what we're doing tomorrow, because um, I read this piece. at It was at Ross Story. And, you know, I, Ross Story is not exactly like hard-hitting, heavy news stuff. But there, there was a series, well, just a couple of articles written by a reporter there named Jordan Green. And this sort of goes to what Jonathan and I were talking about. The headline was Inside the Neo-Nazi Hate Network Grooming Children for a Race War. And it is bone chilling. Um, So I reached out to Jordan Green. I'd never met him before, but he's going to join us tomorrow to talk about what he's been living through for the last however long. It's terrifying and this shit is happening everywhere again nazis at cpac cpac uh denied that they were there and nbc news uh cameramen said you can't deny it we've got video and it's on the interwebs um they were marching in nashville last weekend not not yesterday the weekend before they march in front of disney world in florida and the uh, moron death sentence has no problem with that. Claims he supports the Jews, but Nazis at Disney World, that's just fine with him. So this is happening, and it's not only here, it's around the world. So uh, we're going to get kind of serious tomorrow. All right, just warning you now. But if you want to go over to Raw Story and find um, Jordan's piece, again, it is titled... Hold on, I'll link to it from uh, today's blog. Um, Inside the Neo-Nazi Hate Network Grooming Children for a Race War. Just in case you didn't think you had anything to look forward to. Yeah, we'll do that tomorrow. All right. Um, And then we're going to have fun with music on Wednesday because I need a palate cleanser after that. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Don't forget, go to um, thefuckingnews.substack.com and come back here tomorrow. I'll see you then. Have a great night. Peace out.